This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Max Jeffrey, and I'm joined by Katie Bulls and James Forsyth. The row over MPs' earnings outside of Parliament seems to be getting even worse. If you can remember this, began with Owen Paterson. Katie, what happened at yesterday's debate? Well, there was lots of anger. It was an emergency debate, ultimately on MPs' standards, and you had Keir Starmer responding on behalf of Labour. But when it came to who was representing the Tories, Boris Johnson was not there. He was on a government visit. And instead they sent Steve Barclay, who's now at the Cabinet Office, to go out and speak on his behalf. And I think that that immediately obviously set the tone of that debate in the sense that it gave the opposition something quite easy to attack on. I think there's plenty they could already have attacked on, if you think about the Owen Paterson row and, and the botched attempt by the government to change standards, then renege on it. But ultimately, the fact that Boris Johnson didn't bother to be there, I think meant it was quite easy to say, well, this government isn't even apologetic, they're not serious. And we also had a pool clip yesterday with Boris Johnson, and he didn't say sorry. Steve Barclay, when he was speaking, ultimately did suggest that the government was sorry, they apologised for, you know, a, a misjudgment. But I think part of the issue is it doesn't feel as though those at the very top of government are, you know, making that line. So Nadim Zahori, the Education Secretary, has suggested similar when he's given an interview. But it doesn't seem to be so joined up. And I think that if you look to what, you know, um, Jack Straw once said, which is that uh, ministers, you know, never will save them at the dispatch box, it does not feel as though Boris Johnson has taken that advice. I think that has made it a bit harder because there's lots of Tory MPs who are very annoyed about the fact they were marched up the hill to vote for something to then be criticised and then to be marched back down. And I think, in a way, hiding in plain sight would be a better strategy. James, Mark Harper has said that the government now needs to show some leadership. Is this a sign that the Tory party is slowly becoming more vocal and angrier about this whole row? Yeah, I think Mark Harper is a former chief whip. He, I think, behind the scenes, was warning repeatedly in the run-up that trying to kind of interfere with the Standards Committee report on Owen Paterson would be a mistake. He voted against it in the House of Commons when it came to a vote. And, and his criticism last night was very pointed and very direct. And I think if you look at the current Chief Whip, Mark Spencer, on the front bench, you can tell that he is hitting a nerve in what he says. I, I, look, I think Katie is right. I think Boris Johnson made a big mistake by not being there yesterday. Because... By not being there, he almost made it more of a story. If he had been prepared to turn up to the House of Commons, cynically, the whole thing probably would have turned into more of a partisan bun fight, and it, it would have been no bigger story than him not going. I mean, if you look at today's front pages, if the idea that him not going would draw the heat from this clearly didn't work. I also think Steve Barclay's tone is more and more appropriate. You know, that Given how comprehensively the government has U-turned, it clearly is admitting that it got it wrong. So just say, look, you could just say, look, you know, that there was a mistake made to conflate the individual case with the, the broader issue of reform to the system and, you know, the, and, and, and apologise for that. I, I think Tory MPs are angry and they're angry for, and I think it's one of the things that is, should be worrying the whips, is that they're angry for different reasons. The 2019 and, the 20, and to a slightly lesser extent, but the 2017 intake, they are cross because they are generally more campaigning MPs 
often their seats have been won off Labour quite recently, well, Labour until quite recently, and they worry this just looks like the same old Tories, you know, what, you know, 80 grand a year MP salary isn't enough kind of thing. Then you've got older, more veteran MPs who are worried that you've opened a whole can of worms that is going to result in far more draconian curbs on outside interests and second jobs than existed before. And that because number 10, Jacob Rees-Mogg and Mark Spencer couldn't see where this is heading, they are going to end up being far more restricted in terms of the jobs that they can do while still MPs than they were before. And that's going to have a you know material effect on how much they can earn. And, and so I think you've got two sets of angry MPs right now. And you've obviously got a public who I think are, to put it mildly, not impressed by what they are seeing. And I think the worry for Boris Johnson is this, is if this story goes on, he is going to increasingly face a choice between being on the wrong side of public opinion on second jobs and outside interests or the wrong side of his senior MPs. And if you are Prime Minister, that is a horrible position to be in. In some ways, you know, when David Cameron was leader of the opposition, he took a very tough line on MPs' expenses because he thought it was important to get on the right side of public opinion. I think you could argue that his relationship with those people who were MPs at the time didn't really ever recover from that in some ways. And I think this is one of the worries for Boris Johnson is, you know, is how does he manage to close the story down keep on the right side of public opinion, but without alienating a substantial body of his more senior MPs. Katie, the Express today is saying that Boris Johnson should apologise. But if, as James says, there are two problems here, the Owen Patterson case and then more generally outside earnings, is an apology for trying to change the standards rules really going to be enough anymore? Or do Tory MPs want something more substantial? Is there an easy way out now for the Prime Minister? I think for Tory MPs, what Boris Johnson needs to do is just shut the whole thing down. <laughs> Therefore, an apology, I think, showing up uh, yesterday, I think various things would do to show a little bit of remorse, hope that is enough to actually calm, I don't know, constituents' anger on one level, and, you know, change the headlines, move forward. I think the problem is, the longer this goes on, the more questions. And I, I think it's pretty hard to stop now. Like, we know the direction of travel, which is going through, particularly as we're heading into recess, what second jobs everyone has, a fresh look at interest, a fresh look at who has, you know, parliamentary pass, who is a former MP and who is using it, our lobbyists um, have access to parliament. That That's where um, attention is going there. So I think it's hard to really turn the tide on that. But if there's other things to talk about, if the Prime Minister looks apologetic over the Standards Commission and perhaps comes to defence of the others, it might soften it slightly. Whereas I think, as James points out, the issue is through the events of last week, Boris Johnson has, in a completely you know, self-forced situation, brought lots of attention to things which are not particularly popular, but which MPs do want to keep having. And there's lots of talk about, oh, well, we should just get rid of second jobs. You get rid of second jobs. There's lots of MPs who effectively wouldn't be MPs um, for the current salary if they weren't able to do things on the side. And people listening might be thinking, well, that's their problem. You know, it's just a fairly reasonable salary. But it would create a lot of problems, um, you know, short, medium term. And I think it would also lead to debate about whether or not you would then need to increase the overall salary for an MP if you're not having a second job. So it's not as though there is a simple solution to this. It's not as though there's something on the shelf where you can say, you know, I mean, you could say no second jobs, but it's, I think it's more complicated than that. But every day, I think particularly, I think we saw it this morning with the Jeffrey Cox situation, the fact that the former Attorney General 
spent a month when I think everyone in the UK was in lockdown abroad working on quite a controversial tax case and appearing to earn hundreds of thousands of pounds um, when it comes to his extra work. It's clearly not a good look for the government when Dominic Raab is then defending that on the morning media round. And he's defending it because uh, they didn't want to get into a situation of banning all second jobs, but that's not comfortable territory for the government to be in. James, is there some defence for Geoffrey Cox in that he's a legal mind that Parliament would perhaps miss quite a lot if he weren't there? And if outside earnings were curbed completely, he might decide that actually Parliament isn't the place for him and he'll stick to the 400 grand trip to so, the Caribbean. I, I've been quite keen on defending um, Geoffrey Cox on this podcast, but e- even our, even my uh, uh, willingness to defend Geoffrey Cox is, is, to put it mildly, stretched by this incident. So I, I make the argument. I think on principle, I think that MPs continuing to earn money from their former professions or former trades is acceptable. They're not trading on the fact that they are an MP. This is not kind of providing political intelligence. This is providing a previous professional skill that they had. But I think the argument about Geoffrey Cox is that he should be applying that professional skill more in the House of Commons. I think he's only spoken in one debate recently. I think the argument, you know, this is meant to improve, raise the standard, raise the quality of debate in the House of Commons. I think it is easier to defend people doing these things if they bring that experience that they have to the floor of the House of Commons, bring it up in debates, point to issues. I also think this, though, which is one of the the things I think is challenging on the outside interest point is this, is if you were to say, as I think lots of people would now like, have an outside, a total, absolute ban on outside interest, you know, with, you know, maybe an exception for doctors and nurses, that, that kind of thing which people are now talking about. One consequence of that, I think, would be that there would basically be even fewer former cabinet ministers in the House of Commons than there are now. Because basically, once people had served in cabinet, done that, finished up, they would then leave parliament and aim to make money from outside in the way that former prime ministers do. And I think that would be a pity because I think one of the problems with our parliament at the moment is a lack of knowledge and lack of experience, a lack of people who can take the long view on questions and I think that that is going to become problematic and I think one of the you know Katie said well look if you're going to ban outside interest you know we're going to get into a debate about paying MPs more I think that that I think is also problematic because you know MPs are paid £80,000 a year now that is obviously vastly more than the average national wage it's, it's vastly more uh, and so increasing that is hardly going to be popular with the public but you have to compare MPs also to, you know, for example, an NHS consultant who earns more. You know, or is it right that the head of a secondary school in London is paid more than an MP, for example? And, and so I think this is one of the problems is that, you know, and, and we run into, as one, one MP said to me this morning, you know, there, is, there, is a, there is a recurrent theme to these crises, whether it's the MP's expenses scandal or this scandal, which is... There is a limit to how much you can pay MPs because of public opinion and reality. If you came out and announced that, you know, we're going to pay all MPs a quarter of a million pounds a year, I think the public would say, what on earth are you thinking? But because MPs cannot be paid, you know, a six-figure salary, people then say, well, look, you can top it up in various ways. So people are topping up from expenses, claiming kind of pretty much, you know, almost anything. 
then that was revealed and the rules got tightened up considerably. And then, I mean, that led more people to outside interests, other ways of topping up their salary. That is now being exposed. What happens then? And I think this is, I think we are in for a very, very difficult period because I don't think for Boris Johnson there are any easy answers. You know, you know some people say, well, ban consultancy work. Uh, and I, and I, you know, as we've talked about, the kind of three categories of jobs, I have a certain sympathy for that argument. It's very hard to define definitionally what is consultancy and what is not. I think one other idea that's going to start doing the rounds is that MPs should be allowed to earn up to a certain percentage of their MP salary doing other stuff. So, your, so for example, your outside interest could never pay you more than your MP salary. That's one idea doing the rounds in the tea room at the moment. So I think there are ideas out there, but I think one of the problems for number 10 and for Boris Johnson is that, you know, none of these ideas are going to command universal support in the Conservative Parliamentary Party, and some of them are going to really anger some people. But I think it's also true that the anger is going to be particularly heightened because this is totally self-inflicted. This isn't like the MP6 defence scandal, which came in the Tories were in opposition, not government, and was about, you know, computer disks. This is a political misjudgment by the government which has opened up this whole can of worms thank you katie and thank you james and thank you for listening and if you enjoyed this podcast then sign up to our evening blend email you can go to spectator.co.uk forward slash blend where you'll get the day's political news and our top stories from our website